This morning we take a look at Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2, beginning with verse 1. It says, if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not to his own interest, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is also in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself. By taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him a name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. The glory of God, the Father. Advantage of it. How was your week this week? Good. I'm glad to hear that it was a good week. Uh, I guess the question that I want to ask this morning is uh, your life this week uh, was most like who? Who was your life most like uh, this week? Uh, one of the options here, uh, some of you will recognize that, that's Julia Childs. Julia Child had the opportunity to just do everything just right, had time to cook and not just cook, uh, you know, hamburger helper, but just kind of put everything together. Anybody have a Julia Child kind of week uh, this this week? Uh, maybe that wasn't who you were this week. Uh, maybe your uh, response was, old Albert Einstein, you have never had a week where you were more smart than you were this past week. I mean, you were just like uh, Albert Einstein, just Boom, things were just clicking. You were seeing things. You were understanding things like, I understand the whole universe. And, and it's shrinking or expanding. I don't remember which one it is. But, but Albert could tell you, and you figured it out as well. Uh, maybe that wasn't you. Maybe this week, maybe you felt like Trigger. No, that's not true. That, that's uh, Silver uh, or the Lone Ranger. Uh, I don't know exactly what that is. Maybe you were heroic. Maybe you were saving people. Or maybe it felt like you were going through life more on your own uh, than what you really wanted uh, to do. Uh, who, who was your life like this week? Maybe it was like... Maybe it was a bit mole-like mole. -like mole. Uh, that's what the story was. Uh, you know, we talked about that in the booth and somebody let me down back there. Uh, I'm not... Curly? So the guy that has curly hair isn't curly. Well, we know which week it wasn't for me. <laughs> I am drawn in these days to these passages of Scripture that kind of direct and speak directly to our minds and say, think like this. One day this week, we had three staff members in the office that wore almost the identical color top or shirt. We put the three of them together and said, you match. You look just 
alike in this time. Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, it says this. So if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being in the same mind, the same love, being full in accord, in one accord, and in one mind. Let me state out loud for us the blindingly obvious truth that we know inside of our hearts, but every once in a while need to be reminded. As a follower of Christ, we are supposed to look more like Christ every day. Because you are a follower of Christ, because you have taken the name of Jesus, you are to resemble Jesus and make your life look more like his all of the time. It is what happens when we joyfully embrace the patterns and the priority and the purpose of Jesus. Even to the point, even to the point that someone might walk up to you and say, oh, I'm sorry, I thought you were Jesus. Now think about it. It is because you sound like him. You talk like him. You look like Jesus. Anyone ever done that to you in public? And they said, oh, you look just like my cousin. You sound just like your dad. You, you resemble this person. And sometimes they'll even drag you across the room. Doesn't this person look just like so-and-so? And a lot of times they say no, <laughs> which is kind of awkward for everybody. But the calling on my life, the calling on your life is for you and for me to look more like Jesus all the time so that it is possible that somebody would mistake you for Jesus because I'm sorry, you walk just like him. You talk just like him. You, you, you did something right there that just reminds me of Jesus. I couldn't help it. Now that feels impossible, and we kind of giggled about that when we said it out loud, but I want you to know that that is the expectation of the Word of God. How I want you to know that it is not impossible because Jesus himself lives inside of you. Now I don't think that we give enough weight and thought to that sentence. Sometimes that's one of those Christian throwaway sentences, Jesus lives inside of me. Yes, Jesus lives inside of you. And so if Jesus lives inside of you, is it not possible that there would be times that my behavior would look so much like the Jesus who lives inside of me that somebody would get confused whether it was me or Jesus that was talking or acting or doing or thinking or spending my life. It is not impossible because Jesus, the living Jesus, lives inside of you. It is also not impossible because the Word of God directs us to think like Jesus. You see, that's the reason why I'm kind of settling in these passages of scripture is because coming in the days after the storm, it just kind of, the question kept rolling around in my head, how are we supposed to think in these days? 
And here this passage of scripture tells us most clearly, we are to think like Jesus. Now again, that feels like a whoa. That, that feels like an impossibility. That feels like something that I'm not able to do. But here is the good news this morning. Here, here's the good news that, that I want you to hear. Is that the place that we most need the help is the place God most wants to be at work inside of my life. So if that statement that says we need to look like Jesus, we need to bear a resemblance to Jesus, every once in a while we need to be confused for Jesus. If that seems impossible, that seems too hard. If the idea of thinking like Jesus is too much, I want you to know that the good news is that place where we most need the help is the place where God most desires to be at work in our life. Because Jesus came not just to live in our neighborhood, but he came to transform our minds and our hearts and our spirit. That is the place where the work of Jesus most happens in our life. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, our words this morning run deep because it's not just surface activities. It's not just a list of to-dos. It's not just a list of behaviors that we could learn how to do. But your word the voice of God itself is speaking to us and telling us that we are to think differently so that we can match Jesus on a day-to-day -day basis. Lord, I pray that you would help us to hear you and act upon it today. We pray this in your name. Amen. So just like we said to the three people in the office this week, hey, you guys match. Stand next to each other. You look just like each other. How is it that our lives can match Jesus more and more every day? How can my life match Jesus more and more every day? We match Jesus more and more when we make our thinking to be based on our new life, thinking from our new life. And the first couple of verses that we read there at the beginning of the message, the first couple of verses there of Philippians chapter two start with a series of ifs. Basically, the word of God is giving us a little bit of an option. It's giving us a little bit of a sense of saying, listen, if this is true, then this is what I want you to do. But it starts with this idea of if, if this is true, see what those ifs are. If there is any encouragement in Christ, well, let me ask you, have you ever been encouraged in Christ? Okay, we'll work on that. Have you ever been encouraged by Christ? Amen. There we go. I, I, I thought we'd get there. I, I've been encouraged by Christ. Have you ever experienced comfort from love? Here we go. If there's any participation, and, and I think understanding participation here is a sense of belonging. It's not activity, it is belonging. You are a participant. And it says if there's any belonging in the spirit. Have you experienced any belonging in the spirit of God? 
He says if there's any affection and sympathy, uh, if there is any sense of an embrace of your life. And I would say that is true, that there is encouragement, there is comfort, there is belonging, there is an embrace of our lives. And because there is, that is our new life. That's what it means to be a believer in Christ, to be a person who has been encouraged in Christ, comforted in Christ, who belongs in the Spirit, who is embraced by Christ himself. That is the picture of what it means to be a believer in Christ. There was a time in your life before that, then you came to know Christ, and now you are encouraged, you belong, you participate, you are embraced, you are comforted in Christ. So what this says is, if you have experienced those elements of what it means to be a follower of Christ, if those things are true, then you should think like Jesus. You see, this idea of thinking like Jesus, it is attached, it is connected to the whole experience of being a belonging and a follower of Christ and being in Christ. You see, this isn't an optional part of faith. This isn't saying, you know what, I'll take two servings of encouragement, a side of comfort, and a little bit of belonging, but I'm going to pass on the thinking like Christ. It's all the same package. It is the existence of the new life that you have in Christ. And you have experienced the benefits of a new life in Christ. And so therefore, the calling on our life, the directive of our life, the command on our life is. We don't just get to enjoy the encouragement, the comfort, the embrace, the belonging. Without there being this calling on our life that says, think differently think like Jesus. Uh, the passage continues to unfold this for us because we're not just thinking from our new life, but we also specifically need to think about others first. Here's the heart of this passage. Uh, the heart of this passage says that we are to think like Jesus. And then the whole rest of this passage opens up and begins to tell us how Jesus Things. This is one of the great descriptors of who Jesus is. When we talk about following and joyfully embracing the patterns and the priority and the purpose of Jesus, then we can teach that entire definition of being a disciple from this passage of Scripture. Let's see in this passage of Scripture uh, the fact that Jesus is not selfish. He does not think of himself more highly than he ought. He is not claiming his priority in line. He does not see a limit of scarce resources and say, I want to make sure that I get mine. But instead, he sees the interests of others before he sees his own interests. In fact, it tells us that he takes on the very form of a servant. Now listen, this is the story of Jesus. This is the story of Jesus who is God. This is the story of Jesus who was the very means by which creation was spoken into existence. This is the story of Jesus who is eternal for all time. Who became flesh and dwelt among us. And he didn't just dwell among us. 
but he dwelt among us and became a servant. Now this is the creator coming to be a servant of the created. Now you and I can't really grasp all that that means. But Jesus could walk through the entire earth and say, I made that, I created that, I designed that, that was my idea. And he could look at every single person and say, I made that, I designed that. And he could look at every single person and say, and boy, they messed it up. I don't know how often he'd say, I made them prettier than that. But I know he would say, I made them more holy than that. And that they have scarred and splattered their life with sin. And so Jesus, who is the creator of all of those things, walks through this earth, sees all of those things, knows all of those things, and becomes the servant to the very people that he created, to the very people who have messed up his creation. He did not just become a servant, but it says that he became obedient to death. Again, the creator, the source of life, and the one who breathed life into our nostrils and created living beings became a servant who became obedient to death. Now again, I feel bad that I am not theologically wise enough to explain to you how the creator God humbles himself to death. But then I don't feel too bad about it because nobody else can explain it either. And then the passage emphasizes that he did not just become a servant, he did not become obedient to death. But hear what the sentence does, even to death on a cross. There is an emphasis. This is not just he died of old age. This is not just Jesus died because of some accident that occurred. There's an awful lot of time that we spend talking about the physical cruelty of crucifixion. But I don't also want to look past the humiliation of crucifixion, to stand suspended in the middle of the air, stripped naked for all of the onlookers to say, now that is a guilty person. That's holy Jesus. The only person who has ever left a footprint on this earth that was actually sinless is suspended in the air for all those gawking crowds to say, now look who is guilty. Our Jesus 
did these things, emptied himself, did not grasp his rights. Oh man, we're always grasping our rights. But Jesus emptied himself and the person who had more rights than anyone who has ever existed, he would not grasp his rights, but he let them go to take the form of a servant for the creator to become the limits of created to the point of death, even to a humiliating death. And the passage of scripture says, we should have the same mind that Jesus has. Man, what is our reflex? Our reflex says, boy, I hope it works out for you, but I'm gonna make sure it works out for me. Isn't that the truth? Now, there may be some times inside of your house with the people that you love the most that you, that you are generous to say, I'm going to take care of you first. Boy, there's a strong survivor gene inside of us that says, I hope it works out for you, but I'm going to make sure it works out for me. Jesus emptied himself became a servant, obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And the word of God says to us, think like that. The reality is, if God himself can rearrange all of time to rescue me from dying on the cross, how does that cause me to rearrange my life It's not complicated to say. Put others first. Boy, I wouldn't want a report card on how often I do that. I wouldn't want the people in my life that know me best to give me a grade on how often I put others first and put me at the back of the line. I really wouldn't want the God who knows my innermost thoughts to give me a grave. But that doesn't change the calling, the directive, the command for our life. That you want to talk about how to think? We think like Jesus, who put others first in the most extreme ways possible. We also become more and more like Jesus. We match Jesus more and more by thinking with purpose. Thinking with purpose. There's a couple things in this passage that I want you to notice. First of all, there's this idea of just grasping. And it talks about the fact that he was equal with God because he was God. And he said he decided not to grasp that. In other words, he came and dwelt among us and didn't play the God card. And said, I shouldn't have to be hungry because I'm God. I shouldn't get tired because I'm God. I shouldn't get hot. I shouldn't get cold. I shouldn't experience loneliness. I shouldn't experience any of these things because I'm God. 
and he had the full ability to grasp hold of those things. But the passage of scripture tells us that he emptied himself of all of those rights and he humbled himself. Now, what I want you to notice there is, I want you to notice the himself. You see, this was a choice that Jesus made. It wasn't forced upon him. It wasn't compelled upon him. It wasn't something that he was required to do. Because at any moment, he could have turned that around. He could have grasped again all of the rights and privileges of being the God, the creator. He could have ceased to be a servant. He could have demanded the worship of everyone there in that place. He could have stormed off of that cross. He could have turned that any time around. But he emptied himself. He humbled himself. Now there may be some people in your life that would like to change the way you think. But they can't. The only person who can change the way you think is you. You have to do that on purpose. That has to be a choice that you make. So Jesus did all of these things, but I want you to see that he emptied himself. He didn't wait for someone else to empty him. It was his choice that he made. He humbled himself. He wasn't humbled by somebody else. He humbled himself. Choices and decisions that he made we're not forced upon him from the outside. Other people can't make you think like Jesus. You have to decide. On this day, I want to think like Jesus. You have to begin to develop a reflex inside of you that when all of a sudden your internal temperature spikes because something surprises you or disappoints you or enrages you. That at the moment of that internal temperature spike, you say, but I'm going to respond to this like Jesus would respond to this. I'm going to choose to empty myself, to humble myself, to put others in front of me, to put other people before me. Even though I have the right to do differently. I will choose for myself to think differently. Listen, are you ready for a change in your life? Are you hungry for a meaningful shift inside of your life? Let me tell you that there is no greater, more significant shift that can occur inside of your life beyond saying, I want to think like Jesus. And when we do that, and we change the very way in which we interact with the world, I'm not telling you it's going to happen on Tuesday. But every once in a while, somebody might get you mixed up with Jesus. 
because you think like him and you talk like him and you walk like him and you love like him and you have the same patterns and the same priority and the same purpose as Jesus. So what's the application here today? One is just a simple question. Do you look more like Jesus than you did a year ago? Do you look more like Jesus than you did a year ago? Sometimes people of faith can spend so much time talking about the beginning point of their journey with Christ. Are you saved? Have you asked Jesus to be your savior? That we assume that that is the finish line rather than the starting line. And we let Jesus rearrange a couple things in our life and then we just kind of settle into that place. The challenge for every single one of us is I need to look more like Jesus tomorrow than I did yesterday. Do you look more like Jesus today than you did a month ago? Do you look more like Jesus today than you did a week ago? And what will that look like next week? And the second thing that I want to challenge you with is one of the things that we said at the beginning is that you can do this because Jesus lives inside of you. I want you to know that Jesus lives inside of the believer. He lives inside of every single person who has begun that journey with him, who has asked Jesus to be his Lord and Savior. In fact, this passage of scripture finishes by talking about Jesus did all of these things and the Father raised him up so at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. Jesus is the master of our lives. It is that turning over of our lives that is the moment that Jesus comes to live inside of us. And so the reason that Jesus did all of these things is not just to inspire us, but to empower us by living inside of us. And so if you're here today and you've never been empowered by Jesus, you've never been indwelled by Jesus, you have never turned your life over to him and said, Jesus is Lord, Master, boss over my life. And I want to live under his authority and under his grace for all of eternity. If you've never done that, then I want to invite you to do that today.